in Judges chapter 16, reading verses 17 through 22. I'll read the first and odd verse. You will read the even verses. This is the word of the Lord. It says, finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. Then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. So the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God that we just read lives forever. You want to pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us, that we would uniquely and personally hear the voice of God through the word of God. I pray, Lord, that you would do what only you could do and take the words here and take a match and throw it on there and may it um, be ignited in our hearts. And so, Father, may it come alive to us. We ask this in Jesus' name and everyone agreed by saying. So we have a legendary story that we're going to unpack. This is part two of Lessons in the Life of Samson. And so uh, we've been going Old Testament, and this really is a wake-up call. The message is a wake-up call. It's interesting, watch this, when God decides to talk about Samson in the book of Judges, what he does is he spends more time on Samson than he does on anyone else by far. In fact, 20% of the book of Samson, one-fifth of it, is dedicated just to Samson. And so could it be then that why does God spend so much time around this unique and flawed individual named Samson? My question to you is this, out in the tent also, is it could it be that we have so much to learn? We have so much to learn from Samson's mistakes that we don't duplicate them in our lives. Could that be part of the reason? Could it be that we're here to gain insight from the heirs of Samson so that they will not be repeated in our lives? I remind you, the New Testament says these things were written for us that we could learn from them. So you can look on the screen, or if you have a Bible, you can turn to Judges 13. I'm going to give you a quick bio, a quick bio of Samson, if you're just joining us, biographical look at his life here. And so if you missed last week, all the messages, by the way, are online for free forever. And so chapter 13, the announcement of deliverer here. And so Samson now, uh, a judge, and what was a judge? A judge was a military leader there who served during the time of Israel, is on this massive downward spiral. And Israel's in deep trouble. They are in seriously deep trouble. They're walking away from God. They're separating themselves from God. They're going after idols. They're doing everything that they shouldn't do, that they didn't learn. And the Bible says that the children of Israel did evil again in the eyes of the Lord. This is the seventh spiral down of the nation of Israel. So what I want us to see here is a nation is at stake. A nation is hanging in the balance here. The continuation of a nation was at stake. The freedom of a nation is at stake. Just like the continuation of our nation, America, is at stake. Just like Israel is in trouble because they were walking away from God, 
just as America is in trouble because we have been walking away from God. And so what happened here is that uh, they didn't have a society of their own here. So look with me, Judges chapter 13, verse 2. This is the beginning of his well-chronicled life here. It says, In those days a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah, and his wife, his unnamed wife, the most one of the most influential men in the Old Testament, got his name in Hebrews chapter 11. Don't even mention his, wife, his mom's name here. His wife was unable to become pregnant, so they had no children. So they were stuck. You know, they, were, they couldn't do in vitro fertilization. There was no hope, and there were no options here. So the story goes like this, that a messenger from heaven, an angel of the Lord, would appear to them and announce to them that they would have a son. So Samson's nameless mother and Manoah there, they're getting up there in the age there. And so we're childless, unable to get pregnant. So an awesome miracle of heaven happens and she is impregnated. Uh, she's able to have a son and Samson is born. And he was born in Nazarite. He was born to be set apart from birth, one of only three in the Bible there. Usually it was temporary. This was lifetime. Uh, in vitro, he's a Nazarite. Uh, those words are spoken over his life. And so uh, he is then to be one who is dedicated to God, who's going to be consecrated to God, who's going to be set apart to God and God's purpose there. And so that is why they didn't drink alcohol. That's why they didn't touch a dead corpse or unpure things. That's why they could have like a mullet every day for their whole lives there. So he had long care, hair and he did not care. But number one, then he's a Nazarite. Number two, number two here is that he had superhuman strength, had superhuman strength. He's like the Dwayne Johnson of the Bible. Now, when I thought about saying that, I thought, are they going to know who Dwayne Johnson is? You know who Dwayne Johnson is, right? Okay, good. Love on him. All right. So uh, he, 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 Samson's like the superhero, the superman of of the Bible here. He's like the undisputed heavyweight champion of the Bible. I mean, no one can take him on. He's like a guy that does CrossFit 18 hours a day. I mean, he's that guy. And so, but his strength, his strength was not in his stature, but in his God. It's the spirit of the Lord that gave him his strength. And so, but God would come upon him. And there, there in Judges chapter 14, what happens is he's taking a little stroll. And all of a sudden, the lion pops out of nowhere and roars at him, uh, ready for the kill. I mean, we're talking about a lion. Imagine you're in your subdivision, and a lion pops out. I mean, what would you do? I'd go like, there's a zebra over there. I would run or something. But uh, the Bible says this, watch. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he tore it apart with his bare hands. Interesting that in that culture, in that culture, that they would actually tear the lambs apart with their bare hands and, and uh, kind of their anatomy and everything, you could do that. So it was part of their culture, actually, to tear animals apart. I mean, not lions, but, but uh, like goats and things. And so, but think about it. If you were Samson and you had that in your history, like, what would that do to you? I mean, if I was Samson, I would talk about this story for the rest of my life. Really, I would be like, hi, uh, I'm Rod. With these hands, I tore a lion apart here, okay? With these hands right here. And so, uh, anyway, but, but I love that the Bible says in, in Peter that Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
And I would say that we too, like Samson, gain victory over the enemy by our faith and by the Holy Spirit's empowering of our lives here. Another time he takes a jawbone, a fresh jawbone of a donkey, because an old one would break there, it's brittle, and he kills a thousand Philistines. But we see here that thirdly, he was a womanizer. He was a womanizer. He liked women like a lot, okay? So especially Philistine women. I mean, women were his weakness there. So on one hand, Samson is king of the hill. But on the other hand, when it came to women, he was a pawn of his own passions. And what happened was, is this fueled his downward trajectory of his life that never in his life, and the three women chronicled in Judges here, he never at 20 and 40 still dealing with the same issues of his life here. So having said that about the bio, now we're going to begin Judges chapter 13, verse 24 and 25 as we continue walking through the story of Samson's life with the title, Lessons from the Life of Samson. Another title that we could give this is How to Wreck Your Life in Three Easy Steps, okay? <laughs> How to Wreck Your Life in Three Easy Steps. So God's hands on Samson in a special way. It says this, when her, that is the unnamed mother of Samson, son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And now check this out, don't miss this. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. So God's hand is on Samson in a special way. The blessing of God is upon him from his infancy there. And the Lord blessed him. And I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the blessing. I want to talk about the blessing in your life here. Because there is a divine blessing over his life here. But was it just for Samson? Was the blessing I'm asking you just for Samson? Is the blessing on your life just for you? No, it's not. So with Samson here, what, is the, what I want us to see is he's called to be a deliverer. He's to deliver the nation from Philistine bondage here and oppression like 40 years. And so the people there, they're, it's like hopeless. So God raises up this deliverer and blesses him to bless the nation of Israel. But it never materialized to the degree that it was intended. So God's blessing upon Samson was not just for Samson. But if you could all look at the screen here, I just think there's something about a visual that sometimes helps. But we are blessed then to be a blessing. So I want us to think about this when you recognize whatever area of your life you're blessed. Why have you been blessed here? You see, you are then dispensers, as a Christ follower, dispensers of his blessing. God's blessing in our lives is not only for our lives, but you're a carrier, a conduit, a channel of his blessing. So God's blessing uh, is given to you, and you're a steward of that blessing to direct the blessing to others to give away some part of the blessing that is flowing into your life, but you'd like to be a river okay, of that blessing. For example, the loft house build that we just saw. That's a blessing. But think about this here. God blessed us with the resources to build a home for a mom who had 12 kids across the border. But that home never happens if God's blessing is not released from the people that, that gave the resources to make that happen. So at 18 people that went, if they don't kind of uh, overcome their discomfort, cross the border, you heard the stories there, what was in God's heart 
a home for a single woman with 12 children across the border. That never happens. And so the Lord blessed Samson. The Lord used Samson despite Samson. And although he did great things for God, I want you to think about this. Although he did great things for God, it's staggering to consider what could have been, what could God have done through him, and what he could have been for God. And so just remember that with God's blessing, that uh, what could God do with the blessing? So what happened was how to wreck your life in a few easy choices is his personal choices derailed him despite God's blessing upon him because he failed to do God's, uh, God's life, God's way. And so here it is. It says, watch verse, 13, verse 25, chapter 13. Everybody look up the screen. I just want everybody to look up at the screen. Okay, now I want to read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The Spirit of the Lord began to what? Stir him. Okay, leave that up there. Leave that up there. Okay, it says here that it began to stir him. I want to unpack that for you. What does that mean in the original language? The Old Testament Bible, a lot of us read it in Hebrew. So what that means is, been to stir him, it means the, the Holy Spirit began to tap him, to tap him in his heart. Now, you all, you all get that. We all relate to that, right? When you're talking to somebody, you really have something, and maybe, maybe they're not quite like with you, and you, you'll, you'll tap them. Like You really want to get their, their attention there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate it this way. If that's okay, Vicky. So like, I'm talking to Vicky here and I really want to get her attention. So like, I might like tap her, or like reach out to her because you really want to get their attention there. And that's what the Bible says that God will do. It's like by his spirit, like he's tapping you and then in your heart and trying to get a hold of you. This is Hebrew language here. It means to move you. So out of nowhere, sometimes you may feel like something's happening inside you. In your spirit, you feel like, gosh, God, God's moving me. It literally means to agitate. It means to trouble you, maybe agitate you over a situation, a circumstance, something that you're to do that you never noticed. Now, all of a sudden, you're beginning to get agitated about that, and it's troubling you deep in your heart here. And interesting here that it's the present tense, continually, present tense, emphasizing God's tapping and touching you there. And there's a dynamic activity of the Holy Spirit in your, your inner being, your inner person here. And that's how God can communicate with you, that he'll tap on you and agitate you and trouble you. And he was doing that with, with Samson to trouble him in a Godward direction, in the right direction for his life there. It literally means to push there, kind of the inward stirrings and proddings of your heart. And Hebrew means to push. The bottom line, the big picture is this, is that God's spirit was stirring up Samson, motivating him to act on behalf of the nation. And notice again, this is continual, a present tense, continual stirring. Well, how do I know that it's God? Well, it's not going to stop if it's God. It's going to continue. God's going to keep his thumb on, on that, that he's doing it. It means the Spirit of the Lord was directing him. The Spirit of the Lord was urging him. The Spirit of the Lord was working in him. And I believe, and I'm convinced to the core of my being, that the Holy Spirit has stirred, is currently stirring, or will stir some of your hearts today. I know that the Spirit of the Lord is stirring some of you today. I believe that some people, God, would stirring you like to go in a new direction. Maybe you've been living life one way there, but that's not going to be your future. 
God's stirring you, making something real inside you here. Uh, maybe to do something. Maybe to do something like we saw. God may have stirred people to go across the border. But to do something that you've not done before. The Spirit of the Lord can stir you to start something. He can stir you to stop something. He can stir you to quit. And know that when this happens, that the stirring of God in your heart, it will bring you out of your comfort zone. Like God is no respecter of your comfort zone. Moving you out of your comfort zone is a good thing. But be sure that if you're a Christ follower, God will stir you up. It may not be comfortable, but it is your calling. And you may feel like, God, why, like, why are you doing that to me? You're pulling me out of my comfort zone. And his ways are higher than our ways. Friends, he, he's God and he knows what you need. He knows your past. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. The Bible says our lives are, are spent like just a tale which has been told. God knows what's around the corner. He knows what he wants to do. And God may stir you and you may think like, but God, that's interrupting my life. Like, God, that doesn't fit the five-year plan. And God says, well, can I talk to you about my five-year plan? And so, but if the Spirit of the Lord is stirring you, has been stirring you the past week, the past few months, maybe the past few years, and you're resisting that because you do have an option. You do have a will. And you have an option whether to resist that or lean into it and run with it. Samson here, I believe that he resisted much of the stirring of God that was in his life here. And he had everything going for him. Just like some of you, you may not feel like it, but truth be told, you've got a lot going for you. And Samson started, though, the problem was, as Samson started to do life on his own terms. And he determined to do life that way. And God's blessing over his life and the stirring of the Holy Spirit in him was a lot brought to neutrality because of his resistance here. So my question to you is this. If this is a reality of the Christ-following life that God will stir you, okay, how do you respond to that stirring? Are you mindful of that stirring? Because we can't ignore, we can't, that can't, we can um, undermine the stirring of God's spirit. And so getting back to Samson here, what got in the way of Samson? Samson got in the way of Samson. Samson could never deliver himself from himself. Samson being Hulk Hogan on the outside was Napoleon Dynamite on the inside. Samson uh, was defined by his lust. And I'm going to talk about that. And so what is lust here? Lust is this. Lust is defined as a strong craving for the wrong thing. We have cravings, but there's cravings for the right things. But then lust is a craving for the wrong thing. This dynamic is true in all of our lives. Samson was derailed because of a strong craving for the wrong thing. Samson's life was wrecked because of this. Now, a lot of times we think about lust, we just think about sexual stuff. And it's, it's not that. It's, 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 it, has a, it has a broad a spectrum of how it comes to expression. So lust means this. Lust means to be hot after something. Lust means to be hot after something outside the will of God. Lust means a craving for something that is off limits. Lust is when we're dominated by our senses. 
Lust is when you're controlled by unhealthy emotions and patterns and you simply want to do whatever you want to do. That defined Samson's life. He got derailed. We can all get derailed. You all know somebody that's been derailed. You can point to your own life being derailed, but we can learn from the life of Samson. How did he self-destruct three creeds? Three keys to his downfall about he wrecked his life. Downfall number one is this, if you're taking notes. He was driven by impulse. And I want to add fantasy. I want to talk about that at a critical intersection and turning point of his life here. He was driven. How to wreck your life. Just be driven by impulse. Just be overwhelmed and live by fantasy. And so at the age of 40, what he did is he makes a massive relational mistake. Wasn't his first one. This is now like his third one that's chronicled for us. It says, but here's, here's the first one. One day, Judges chapter 14, says one day when Samson was in Timnah, uh, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. Now has anyone had someone catch your eye? I'm not going to ask for any raise their hands. And so, but this is lust at first sight, okay? And so Samson, Samson's eyes are going to land him in trouble. Verse 2, and when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah, caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Now, that culture, that never happened. This is a culture where the spouses were chosen by the parents, and he's telling the parents that he's going to choose the spouse. So the first time he speaks, this is the first time we ever hear him speak. What is he saying here? She looks good to me. She caught my eye, go get her for me. And the choice is based solely on his eyes. The relationship is obviously superficial and doomed to failure because he rejects the wisdom of his parents here. And I know men like Samson can be driven very much by the same value here. So Samson is driven by impulse. He's driven by fantasy here. And what is fantasy? Fantasy is when we create images that are unrealistic, that are improbable mental images. Like for, it's fake, it's phony, it's not reality, like fantasy football. And uh, did you know that like 50 million men in America, maybe women too, there, uh, uh, are into, you know, just geeking out on fantasy football? I mean, if I did it, I, I would be like that myself. Uh, but nothing real, everything is pure imagination. And so we got to recognize we all live in this world of having fantasies here, and we know how powerful that a fantasy can be. You remember when you, um, I'm just going to pull this out, you were in junior high, maybe high school, and you had that big crush? Come on, somebody. You remember that person is coming to your mind there, but in the words of the great theologian Garth Brooks, I thank God for unanswered prayer. Can we thank God for unanswered prayer? Come on, somebody. And so Samson is driven by his fantasy. Now, what does that look like? Well, if you're single, fantasy can drive you into thinking, that, yeah, if I, if I just could get married, everything is going to be okay. Go back to the definition on fantasy there. My knight in shining armor will treat me like a queen for the rest of my life. You might want to talk to a married person about that. And so if you're, you're a single man there, see, fantasy, if, if, I could just get, if I could just get married, I could do all those kind of married things out there. Okay, uh, so, so think about when the enemy comes, though, okay, comes in to tempt you with fantasy. The Bible says, let us not be ignorant of his devices. And so you might be married and fantasize about not being married. 
if I could just find someone who, who supports me, who, who understands me, who listens to me, who encourages if I could just find that person, and then you begin to fantasize about maybe getting out of the marriage, if I, if I could just find someone else, maybe then, maybe then everything would be okay. If I, if I could just date again, yeah, if I could just date again, that would be so fun. And we can, we can fantasize about those things. So Samson here, given over here to his fantasizing and his indulging there, uh, his emotions there. And so uh, he lived then by impulse. We continue here in Samson's life, Judges 14, verse 2. Samson went down to Timnah. Went down to Timnah. Now, notice that down. It's not only geographically he went down, Topographically, he went down. Mentally, he went down. Spiritually, he went down. Emotionally, he went down. He went down in every way imaginable. And so, uh, so he went down to what? He went down to the wrong place. You can have a good heart and love Jesus and end up at the wrong place. Reason number two, how to wreck your life. Samson's downfall. Not only is he driven by impulse and fantasy, but number two, he put himself in the wrong place. And of course, at the wrong place, he meets the wrong person. Something about looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> the story begins in Judges 16.1, and Samson does a very unusual thing. One day, Samson went down to Gaza, which where he met then a prostitute, but Gaza was the headquarters of the enemy Philistines. His thought here was uh, that he's invincible. He thinks he's invincible. This would be like this would be like Vladimir Putin going down to Washington D.C. at night and thinking he's not going to be recognized. Samson doing this—he's public enemy number one. This is crazy, absolute insanity on his part, thinking that he's going to be unobserved. This is absolute recklessness on his part. Word got out, no surprise. You know, the gate story, I'll try to fit that in next week. But verse 2 says this, that they made to move, they, they were watching him all night. At dawn, we'll kill him, they said. So we know this, watch. The wrong place can lead to your destruction. It did here. These things written for us, the Bible says here. He's at the wrong place, and it led to his downfall. You can have a good heart, be in the wrong place, and that will lead to destruction. How many people do you know that they're well-intentioned, sincere, and all that, but they went to the wrong place? So we have to be careful about leading yourself to the wrong place. And what is the wrong place? Well, it's different for everyone, but we have, to be, we have to be careful about physical places that we cannot put ourselves in. If you're dating, there's physical places. You shouldn't put yourself in there. It could be possible that for some people, I'm not for everyone, I'm not making a blanket statement, but it could be for someone that the wrong place is a business trip. It could be the wrong place. Uh, I have an, a, an acquaintance that is friends with Randall Cunningham, who is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, and Randall won't go anywhere on his own because he knows that for Randall, uh, that so many people, he's so recognized everywhere, that a business trip would be the wrong place going by himself. Offer some people, your laptop unprotected could be the wrong place. Environments could be the wrong place. 
Certain people could be the wrong place. How about for Samson was Delilah? The wrong person at the wrong place? So Samson put himself, number two, in the wrong place. Now, number three, not only are we driven, can we wreck our lives by being driven by our impulses and fantasy, not only can it be in the wrong place here, but the third reason for Samson's downfall was this. He thought he was incredibly strong, and he was. But think about this. After his first marriage lasted about 2.2 milliseconds, and Samson fell in lust with another Philistine woman named Delilah. He was actually in love with her. But the old pattern of his life is continuing here. And literally, Samson is getting involved in a dead-end relationship. No pun intended, but you know what I mean there. And so, watch. His fooling around has gone too far. And therein is a message for us. So you can think that you fool around. And he fooled around in Timnah. Fooled around the prostitute. More of the same. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been fooling around. I'm, I, he's thinking, I'm an expert fooling around. I've got my PhD at fooling around. I can continue to fool around with Delilah, and I'm going to be okay. He, his, he, what brought him down is he thought he was invincibly strong. He thought his strength, he could handle it. And so uh, what happens here is Del, uh, Delilah hears a big payoff hey, find the secret to, to his strength, and you know the story here. So Delilah's like, oh, sure, I'm going to get a big payoff here. And here's the story. If you want to look at the screens for me, look at the screens for me. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And in this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, yeah, I will do as I have done before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Next verse. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. He tried to shake himself free. See, he thought he had it. I'm going to close with this. Thought he had it. When I look back over my life, many times I've thought, I've got it. Even today. When I'm up against things or stuff and I can't control or things happen and things, you know, don't, don't necessarily go the way they want them to go or, or go my way. I still do the same thing. And you do too. You do too. You think like Samson, or there's Samson's in all of us. You think you can just shake your way free. What it looks like for me, I say, I'll just work harder. I'll just try harder. I just need to be stronger. I need to be smarter. I'll just Google it, like Sarah said. I'll ask my friends, like, I've got, I've got lots of friends. And I have to remind myself, Rod, but you're not strong enough. You can't. You can't shake yourself free. And the, the, the day happens like Samson. You, you can't shake yourself free. You think, you think you're invincible. You think you're strong. Oh, friend, learn from the story of Samson here. How many battles are we trying to fight today here in your own strength? And you have your go-to, like I talked about some of my, my go-tos here. And Samson's mistake was to think that he could simply access his go-to of his strength. But now the strength is gone. 
Paul said, Jesus said this to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness, and therefore I boast all the more gladly, okay, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest or come to expression in me. And Samson now is brought out in chains, and he's out amongst the Philistine, and they're making sport. He's entertainment. He's humiliated here. But Samson now is not playing games anymore. Samson played games all his life, but now he's not going to play games anymore. And Samson called to God one last time as the worship team comes up. And he said this, God, he called upon him. He said, God, would you make me strong again? The Bible says that his hair began to grow, replete with the grace of God. He said, oh, please strengthen me just one more time. And there's Samson between two pillars, between two pillars in the temple, 3,000 people, and the pagan Dagon uh, God, and the Philistines are there. He pulls, God strengthens him. He pulls the pillars down one more time. And Samson had messed up so many times. But he called upon the name of the Lord. So last night when I was finished, and I'm done. And I read this, and I felt the Spirit of the Lord stir me. You're not done. There's one more point. And the point is, one more time, the Lord answered him. The end of Samson's life teaches us that it's never too late to ask God to intervene in your life, in some area of your life, one more time. There's too much at stake, just like there was with Samson at this moment of his life when it seemed like it was over, not to ask one more time here. So like Samson, you can call upon the name of the Lord right now. Every one of you have been given, in a sense, you're a Christ follower, this call of a Nazarite, you've been set apart, and you can call upon the name of the Lord. For some of us, maybe what that means is like Samson, you know what, I'm going to make a declaration before God. I don't want to play games anymore. And maybe, maybe, for some others, maybe for dads, you're going to say, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to be the kind of father, whatever season of life they're in, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to be the kind of dad that my sons need. I'm going to be an example of serving, of living for him. Mothers, you have a great influence in your children's life. Maybe there's something that God wants you to do or to be. Young adults, everyone that is hearing my voice and those watching online, what is it that you need to ask God one more time? If we could bow our heads in prayer. And Father, thank you for your word, forever a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. Forever the word of the Lord. Forever it lives forever. Forever it directs our life. May it stir us. May the stirring of God come to our lives. And may we hear his voice and lean into what he wants us to do. I ask that you would do this and more in Jesus' name. Amen.